standing, turn back to 699. We want to read together God's Word, uh, taken from several different passages. 699 is called the Family of God. And I'll be reading the portions that are printed in the regular uh, print. And if you'll join in in unison on those portions that are in bold print, we'll read God's Word and then we'll pray together today. We're glad that you're here and uh, rejoicing in God's goodness. A great time in Sunday school today. If you're not in Sunday school, you need to be here next Sunday. A great, great time of studying God's Word and fellowshipping together. 699, are you ready? Uh, For the family of God, 699. God's Word says how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another, so that there may be no divisions among you, and that you may be perfectly united in mind and all. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. We who are strong all to bear with the families of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Father, thank you so much for the privilege which is ours to be in your house today. Pray that you would help us to set aside the distractions, the cares, the concerns, the things that we bring in here on a Sunday. Lord, as we worship today, I pray that our hearts and minds would be centered upon you. I thank you for each one who is here. I pray that everything that is said and done in this place would truly bring honor And glory to you. Speak through uh, your servant today, Father. As the word is proclaimed, may it find residence in our hearts. We claim that promise that as your word goes forth, it will not return void, but it will accomplish the purpose which you send it to do. I pray for anyone here today who may be hurting, who may be uh, struggling. I pray that as we worship and as we encourage and as we, as we just read, edify one another, they would be strengthened. In their inner being. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you so much for what you're going to do in our presence today. And we pray all this in the love of the name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen.
Thank you so much, choir. What a great song. Reminds me of the church where I grew up. We choir used to sing that one quite often. It was a favorite. Acts chapter 2 this morning, please. And uh, there should have been a sermon guide in the pew as you came in today. If you'll grab that, you'll need that. Acts chapter 2. You know, fellowship is something that we Baptists apparently take very seriously. In fact, Red Hill takes it so seriously that years ago they built an entire building that we call what next door? The Fellowship Hall. Now, is fellowship simply coffee and donuts? Is fellowship simply soup and ice cream? Is, is, is fellowship simply potlucks and covered dishes? And do those things have anything at all to do with fellowship? Is it possible to have fellowship without any food being involved at all? Now, those are some important questions we need to consider. You say, well, why are they important, preacher? Well, because one of our functions as a church, according to the Bible, is fellowship. If you look there at Acts chapter 2, and we've been coming back to this passage and, and learning about the early church and what characterized the early church and what the early church was, was doing, we find beginning at verse 40, these words, Acts chapter 2, verse 40, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Now watch verse 42. And they continued steadfastly. So they started doing these things. They kept doing these things. They were faithful in doing these things. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, which we talked about last week. The apostles' doctrine, and what's the next thing? Fellowship. In the breaking of bread and in prayers. So the question today is this. What is fellowship? What is fellowship? The earliest definition I remember hearing for fellowship was simply this. What is fellowship? It's two fellows in a ship. (laughs) That's the earliest definition I remember hearing from a preacher. And in a sense, in a sense, that's correct. But it's not sufficient. It's not complete. The Greek word here is one you may have heard before. I understand some churches have Sunday school classes that are named this particular Greek word. Uh, The word translated fellowship here in our English Bible is the word koinonia. Maybe you've heard of the koinonia class or the koinonia group. Koinonia literally means partnership. It means sharing something in common. It means participating or participation. Koinonia, sharing. So I like to define fellowship in the following way. Christian fellowship is sharing life together. Christian fellowship is sharing life together. So we know what fellowship is. Now, the second question is this. Who does it involve? Who does fellowship involve? Well, it involves Christians. It involves those who have repented of their sin and placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ alone for salvation. You see, Christian fellowship is different from merely socializing. It's different from the time that you might spend together uh, with others at a club or a group or a civic organization. You see, Christians have been brought together in fellowship. They've been brought together. We've been brought together in the gospel. We've been brought together by the work of the Holy Spirit. 
1 Corinthians 1, 9 says, God is faithful by whom you are called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We have fellowship one with another. We share life together because, first of all, we have fellowship with God. Now, I put all these references down. If you listen to 1 John 1, 3 through 7, 1 John 1, 3 through 7, that which we've seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship, listen, is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. By the way, God wants you to have your joy full, full joy. Verse 5, this is the message which we heard from Him and declare to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Now listen to verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, that is God... And we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But, verse 7 of 1 John 1 says, If we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So we have fellowship together, because we have fellowship, first of all, with God the Father and God the Son, As God the Holy Spirit has placed us into the body of Christ. Now, the wonderful thing about Christian fellowship, it includes believers who are different in many ways. You see, Christian fellowship includes those who in this world are rich and those who are poor. Those who are black and those who are white. Those who are learned and those who are unlearned and undegreed, if you will. And so God takes all these different people... And as they're saved and they become part of the body of Christ, they're one in Christ. And they have fellowship with the Father and with the Son, with one another. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, I won't have you do it today. But if you were to look around you, there's people here that are different from you. And those same people will be looking at you and thinking the same thing. We're different in so many ways. And yet if we know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are one in Christ. Perhaps you recognize these words. I have them printed there. It's a song that we like to sing. Oftentimes we have communion. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred minds is like to that above. We're brought together in Christ. Vastly different in so many ways. The way we look, the the way we have different personalities, the way we do different vocations and so many different things. Yet we're made one in Jesus Christ. You ever thought about the Lord's apostles? You ever thought about the twelve? Bob Russell writing said the 12 apostles were a diverse group. Simon the Zealot was a patriot, a kind of redneck who hated the Roman government. Matthew was a tax collector, uh, a, a collaborator with Rome. He said that would be like Rush Limbaugh and Ted Kennedy serving on the same committee. They'd slit each other's throat. But Jesus united them. 
Thomas and Peter were opposites too. Peter was impulsive, a a sanguine personality, quick to believe, often fickle. But Thomas was melancholy, a, a thinker, slow to respond, but deeply committed. All these personalities must have occasionally unnerved one another, but they were united in a cause bigger than their own egos and personalities. They were united in the deity of Christ. We're different in so many ways, but Jesus has brought us together. We're one in Jesus as we know him. So Christian fellowship is sharing life together. And that reminds us then that God never intended to make us Lone Ranger Christians. We're made for community. We're made for fellowship. Think back to the beginning in the Garden of Eden. When you read through the creation account, when God created something, it come to after that creation, he would say what? And God saw that it was good. Genesis one thirty one. Then God saw everything that he had made and it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. But if you keep reading in Genesis chapter two, verse 18, you run across these words. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper comparable to him. In other words, what God said is, listen, it's not good that Adam's alone. Adam needed Eve. Rodney needed Danielle. Listen, Christian needs other Christians. A Christian needs other Christians. A Christian needs his or her church family. A Christian needs fellowship. That sharing, that having things in common. That partnership. You see, our fellowship together is a mirror, a reflection of the fellowship which takes place, which exists in the triune Godhead. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're in perfect harmony with one another. They're in perfect unity with one another. And they're in perfect fellowship one with another. And as we fellowship one another, as we have fellowship with God... We mirror, we reflect that fellowship that exists within the perfect triune Godhead. We're not to be lone ranger Christians. Maybe you've met some. Maybe you're tempted to become one, a lone ranger. Listen, even the lone ranger had a partner, didn't he? He had Tonto, right? All the kids are saying, what's a lone ranger and what's a Tonto? John Wesley said it well when he said this. There's nothing more unchristian than a solitary Christian. There's nothing more unchristian than a solitary Christian. Now, sad to say, we have those who say, oh, I'm a Christian. I know Jesus and I, oh, I love Jesus. And yet they don't even want to come to a worship service, much less open their lives up to fellowship in sharing life together. I understand one day a grandmother was uh, showing her grandchildren One of those pictures of the pilgrim families, you know, going to church on Thanksgiving Day. And so she thought this is a wonderful opportunity to make a point. And she said, listen, kids, the pilgrim children really enjoyed going to church with their mothers and fathers and and praying to God. And so the children listened and her youngest grandson looked up and asked her, so why is their dad carrying that rifle? Um... If they really enjoy going, does it take a rifle to get you to church, take a rifle to get you to see that you need fellowship with other believers? Christian fellowship is sharing life together. So here's the third question. What does fellowship look like 
I mean, how does it play itself out? How is it that we go about this thing? How is it reflected in our church and in our lives? So that's, by the way, a very broad topic. But I think the best way, uh, and we see some of that here in Acts chapter 2, by the way. We see, uh, let's look, read a couple of those verses. Verse 44. Now all who believed were together, had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods, divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. You notice there, without going into all the particulars, you notice there they had a concern for one another. They had care for one another. Um, we talk a lot about care here. Uh, those little cards in the pew racks in front of you are care cards. They're there to help us to care for one another and care for others. We have Sunday school care leaders uh, in, our, in our Sunday school classes. We have deacon family care ministry. Uh, every family in the church is assigned to a deacon, and those deacons help me in, in making sure the families are cared for. Uh, there are ways to make sure that we're caring one for another. But listen, care in the body of Christ is not limited to formal positions or formal titles. As believers, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we should just care for one another. And one of the best ways that we see fellowship going on is in the one another passages in the Bible. Now, I've got a whole slew of one another passages. I'm going to read them off for you. And I put the references down for you to look, listen uh, as we go through and for you to look up later. But I want you to listen to this theme of one another. We said fellowship is sharing life together. Listen to Romans 12:10. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Romans 12:16. Be of the same mind toward one another. Romans 15:7. Therefore receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Romans 15:14. Now, I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, also uh, able also to admonish one another. Romans 16, 16. Greet one another with a holy kiss. That makes us nervous. Let's move on. <laughs> Galatians 5, 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Ephesians 4, 2. With all lowliness and gentleness, with longsuffering, bearing with one another in love. Ephesians 4, 32. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. Ephesians 5, 19. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Ephesians 5, 21. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Colossians 3, 13. Bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Colossians 3.16 Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Are you noticing a trend here, beloved? Are you noticing how it's not about the Lone Ranger? It's not about just me and mine and my, I'm fine. It's about one another. Fellowship. 
First Thessalonians 5.11 Therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. Hebrews 10.24 And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. James 5.16 Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. First Peter 1 Peter 1.22 since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth of the spirit and sincere love for the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. First Peter three, eight. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous. First Peter four, nine, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. First Peter five, five. Likewise, you younger people submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. And be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. May I say it, may you clearly hear it, we need one another. We need one another. The third verse of that, blessed be the tie, says this. We share our mutual woes, our mutual burdens bear, and often for each other flows the sympathizing tear. You see, beloved, that kind of fellowship does not happen in the minute and a half that we sing the fellowship chorus on Sunday morning. As glorious and as wonderful as that is that we take time to do that, and we did today. This kind of fellowship cannot happen that quickly. This kind of fellowship should be happening in your Sunday school classes. That's why we've been emphasizing that connect element of caring for one another and fellowshipping together. But it's even more than that. This kind of fellowship... Literally means being with other Christians outside of Sunday mornings. Look again at Acts chapter 2, verse 46. It's interesting. The Bible says, so continuing with one accord in the temple. So they've gathered for worship there corporately. Then notice the next part of verse 46. And breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. In other words, they got together outside of the corporate worship times of the temple. They shared life together. They were in homes. They were sharing meals together. They were sharing life together. Now, we think back in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, where it mentions breaking of bread there, it's referring to the Lord's Supper, a communion. But when you drop down to verse 46, we believe that's referring to having meals together, which may have also included a short time where they had a Lord's Supper celebration. But I want you to notice here they were in each other's homes. They were having meals together. They were sharing life together. You see, Christian fellowship does not have to be all formal. It doesn't have to take place just during a scheduled worship service or, or just during Sunday school or just when you're all dressed up for church. It takes place outside these walls. Our young adult Sunday school class, we're having a get together this afternoon. And we're going to have fun together. And hopefully we'll have a great time. We'll laugh. We'll play. I think we're going fishing. We're picnicking. We're, I don't know what all we're doing. But I hope in the midst of that, it'll be more than just socializing. It'll be true Christian fellowship. In other words, we'll be encouraging each other in living for Christ. You see, I ask at the beginning of this message, is fellowship simply coffee and donuts? And do they have anything to do with fellowship? And can we have fellowship without food? Here's the answers. No. Yes, possibly. Yes. 
let's uh, well, I'll give you a little more specific. Christian fellowship is not simply coffee and donuts. Christian fellowship can include coffee and donuts, and it's always better when it does, right? And Christian fellowship can take place, believe it or not, when no food is present. You see, Christian fellowship is about doing life together. It's about caring for one another. It's about encouraging one another. It's about loving one another. Even your prayer groups this morning should have been Christian fellowship as you shared together and as you lifted those prayer requests to the Lord. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Verse 25 says, not forsaken the assembling of ourselves together. In other words, don't lay out a church. Be with the believers. It says, not forsaken the assembling of ourselves together is the manner of some but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Somebody has said so eloquently that fellowship is the blood that flows through the veins of the church, giving it health and vibrancy. And I agree with that. Fellowship is the blood that flows through the veins of the church, giving it health and vibrancy. You know, we're here to worship today and we join together corporately and we worship the Lord and we hear the preaching of God's word and we sing and do all these things. But this is not the sum total of the Christian life. There should be those times of sharing life together. What's happening in America today? You know, houses used to have large front porches with rocking chairs and they were there because people would sit out on those front porches, right? And they would visit with one another. Those have been replaced with fenced-in backyards where we isolate ourselves in our little fortresses and hope nobody bothers us. Now, I know there are times you need some time alone. I understand that. I'm not against that. But what I'm saying is we keep to ourselves. Even our own children have to have their own bedrooms and their own space. Uh, um, uh, we isolate ourselves. We hide behind computer screens and, and headphones. We fill our lives with imaginary uh, relationships on some television screen. And we think this, this is what life is all about. Beloved, we need to turn off the television, shut down the computer, pull out the headphones, and open our lives up to real people, believers who love Jesus, and share life together. One author noted the world can be a discouraging place. You can get the impression that everybody's cheating. Everybody's doing drugs. Everybody's greedy. You can begin to think you're all alone. That there's no one left in the world who believes like you do. No one else disciplines their children. No one abstains from immorality. Nobody gives their money away. But when you have fellowship with Christians... You realize you're not alone. It's a boost to your spirit. Every week you see hundreds of people who share your values and are trying to walk in the light. The light of God. I don't know about you, but it's encouraged me just to come on Sundays. And listen, I'm not alone in this. It's hard out there, isn't it? It's rough out there. The world seeks to tear us down and bring us down and, and mold and shape us to, to its mold. But I come in here and say, hey, I'm not alone. I've got brothers and sisters in Christ and we're doing life together. We're not lone rangers. We're not lone rangers. 
we're fellowshipping with another. We need fellowship. It's more than coffee and donuts. It's more than a minute and a half shaking hands. It's more than that. It's opening our lives up to one another and sharing life together. Clara Knoll, a young single mother from Oklahoma City, described what she called as one of the worst days of her life. And she she said, the washing machine broke down. The telephone kept ringing. My head ached and the mail carrier brought a bill I had no money to pay. Almost to the breaking point, I lifted my one-year-old into his high chair, leaned my head against the tray, and began to cry. Without a word, my son took his pacifier out of his mouth and stuck it into mine. (laughs) We need someone to do that for us once in a while, don't we? We need someone who's just there. They understand and they help the best way they know how. We need people like that in our lives. We need one another. We're to love one another. Now, what about you today? Is fellowship a reality in your life? Is it a reality? Have you opened your life up to other believers? Are you sharing life together? When's the last time you got together outside of these walls? When's the last time you had someone over to your house for dinner? When's the last time that you said, hey, let's meet together this afternoon. Let's go here. Let's go. Let's just spend some time together. Let's shut off all the stuff that's going on. And let's just spend time talking and fellowship and laughing and playing and praying and doing all these things together. Let me ask you this as we close today. Is fellowship more than just coffee and donuts in your life? Is it more than just an occasional time we say, hey, we're going to get together and have soup tonight. We're going to get together and have ice cream. And those are great times, too. But is it an ongoing reality in your life as we encourage one another, as we need one another, as fellowship is part of what we're about? What about you? What about you? Father. Thank you for making us for community, for fellowship. Lord, I pray there will be a reality in our world, in our world, in our lives, in our church. That you'd help us, Lord, to open our eyes up and our ears and our lives to other believers. And invite them into our lives and have them invite us into theirs. We might love one another and encourage one another and edify and build up and exalt Christ together to do life together. Father, I thank you for the early church and for their love for one another, their willingness to care and to sacrifice and to give because they so loved the body and loved their brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, We don't need to tell you, you know, our world is a rough place at times. And so, Father, I pray that you'd help these worship times, these fellowship times to to give us that encouragement that we need as we seek to live our lives for Christ. Lord, I pray if anybody here today does not know Christ and cannot even understand what we're talking about. 
that even as we have our invitation today, they would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to tear down those walls and fences and open our lives up for others and to love others and to have fellowship with you and walk in the light so that we'll have fellowship one with another. In Jesus' name, amen. Our closing hymn this morning, 295, Near to the Heart of God. As we sing, the altar is open. We be saved today with the night we come. If you need to sing today, we might do that. But I hope that you're getting in this series a sense of just how vital church is. It's not just something that's nice, but not necessary. It's necessary. It's vital for our Christian life. 295, the altar shows that we come as we sit. Oh.